Amen. Good for us to pray that together. Uh, and I invite you to open up uh, the Word of God, whether you open it up on your phone or you have one of these old things, uh, which I very much appreciate. Uh, so open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I am grateful for uh, the privilege of preaching the Word of God. I'm grateful for a break from it and thankful for Pastor Nick's faithfulness in preaching it uh, while I was away, but I'm always grateful when I take a break to come back to it. The first message that I preached as your pastor was on January 6th, 2013, and the text for that first message was the one we're looking at today, along with the one we're looking at next week. I think I preached for like 46 minutes. Uh, it was a long time. Uh, but I've preached almost 500 sermons since then, and I wondered what has changed in that time. One of the things that has not changed in that time is the Word of God, right? The Word of God. We just sang, truths unchanged from the dawn of time. So we know the Word of God has not changed. Here's one thing I'm really thankful that has changed, though, me. Not just that I have thinner hair on the top of my head, but that the Word of God over time, as I have had this privilege of studying it each week and preparing a message each week and preaching a message each week, God has used His Word to transform and mold and shape the way I see Him, the way I see us, the way I see myself, and the way I see the world around us. And I am grateful for the way that God uses His Word to change, transform, and mold us according to the likeness of Christ. So thank you for the privilege of doing that. Thank you for the privilege of being your pastor and being able to counsel you with the Word in your homes and in my office when we meet. I'm thankful that by God's grace we are, I think, becoming a church increasingly molded by God's Word. We've been looking over the last couple of weeks, or a couple of months, I guess, at this rich letter written to the young Pastor Timothy from his father figure in the faith, Paul the Apostle. The message has been one of perseverance. He, Paul telling Timothy over and over again in a number of different ways, you got to keep going in the face of all sorts of things that would cause you to stumble or stop. Keep going, Timothy. Keep the faith. Hold on to the truth. As all people around you are living ungodly lives, as lies are being taught all over the place, Timothy, keep the truth. Last week, I left Pastor Nick to preach a really, really hard, dark passage. Like, here, have fun with this, Pastor Nick. I'm out. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9, we looked at that last week. And we saw that difficult, there was a forecast, right? Difficult times are coming and they are now here. The difficult times filled with difficult people and disqualified leaders is how Pastor Nick put it. And I think that was a faithful application of the text. But today's message is a contrast. In fact, you'll note that the words that, that start the passage we look at today are these words. You, however... So here's the rest of the world going to pot all around you, Timothy. You, however, is how the passage begins today. Sin, evil, and deception 
on the rise in Timothy's day. Sin, evil, and deception on the rise in our day. Timothy wonders, what am I supposed to do? We wonder, what are we supposed to do? How is God going to counter the sin, evil, and deception that seem to be on the rise? Is God going to do anything about it? And God's answer, I think, comes in the passage we're looking at today. God's answer through Paul to Timothy and for us is this. We must live godly lives in Christ Jesus and continue to believe the Bible using it to teach, transform, and train. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10-17. to 17. If you're able, would you stand and we will read the very word of God. Let's pray again. Father, we, we can't pray enough and, and acknowledge enough that this is not dependent on any words that I have prepared to preach. It's not dependent on, on any of us. It's dependent on your Holy Spirit working through your word to build up your church, to draw people to yourself. And so I pray that as we look at the very words breathed out by you through the Apostle Paul to Timothy, that you would help us to see the relevance for us in our day and that we would become a people who desire more and more to live godly lives in Christ Jesus, who hold on to and continue to believe the truth of the Bible, even if everything else goes in a different direction, and that we would be people who use it then to teach and to transform and to train that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do this in us as your word is heard and as I preach it in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You can be seated. Well, last week, Pastor Nick walked you through a long list of the sin and darkness that is on the rise and increase. And you'll notice here, at the beginning of this passage today, I already pointed out, it begins with you, however, and it doesn't begin with a command, but with a commendation. It's not telling Timothy what to do, it's, it's commending Timothy for what he's already been doing. What Timothy has been doing is even though all around him there's all sorts of really bad examples, Timothy has been following a really good example. God has provided for Timothy a good example. In the midst of so many things going so wrong, Timothy has been given by God a person to look at who models what it looks like to live a godly life in his world. And that person is the person who's writing him this letter. It's Paul. 
And so Paul reminds him of this gift of God. You, however, have followed my teaching and my conduct, he says. If you read through in one sitting, which you could easily do, the letters of First and Second Timothy, you would find those two things to be a theme in these letters. It's on purpose that Paul puts them first in his list. Conduct and teaching. The way you do ministry and the way you live your life. That's what Timothy has seen lived out in Paul, and that's what Paul is reminding Timothy of here. My conduct and my teaching. He also reminds Timothy of his aim in life. And I got to thinking about this. What was Paul's aim in life? Well, if you remember when we preached through the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 20, in Acts chapter 20, Paul is talking to the elders in Ephesus. By the way, where is Timothy now the pastor? In Ephesus, right? So many years ago, Paul, speaking to the elders in Ephesus, shared these words, which I think describe his aim in life. This is Acts, or sorry, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Here's what he said. But I do not, what if this is your aim in life? But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus. Here it is. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This is Paul's aim in life. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That other people would know of the good news of what God has done in Christ. And Timothy has seen Paul live out this aim in life. He was alongside him for some of these journeys. The list goes on. My aim in life, my faith. No doubt Paul kept trusting God in the midst of all sorts of things that would potentially shipwreck faith. My patience. I bet Timothy saw this firsthand. Paul, don't you get the sense that Paul just kind of has this go get him type personality? And you recognize in his writing to Timothy that Timothy seems a lot more timid. Don't you see that, probably see that over and over again? Paul got to display patience to Timothy and Timothy got to see what patience looked like as he looked at Paul. And also we get to see what love looked like. Even in these letters, we see the gentle tone with which Paul addresses Timothy. Remember what he calls Timothy? My beloved child. Saw my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Whatever came his way, Paul didn't waver in steadfastness. But then we read this in verse 11. My persecutions and sufferings. That's another example that Timothy got to see in Paul. Paul endured all kinds of persecutions and sufferings, and Timothy was there to watch some of it. Paul refers to a few of the instances that happened at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. And then Paul mentions this, which persecutions I endured, and he says this, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. We saw miraculous rescues that God provided throughout the book of Acts, that Paul was rescued. And even now, Paul is referring to the Lord rescuing him while he sits in prison in Rome, right? So Paul starts this part of the letter out with a pretty personal appeal to Timothy. You've seen my example, Timothy. And then he broadens it here. 
in verse 12. And he shares a promise. <laughs> Listen to this, verse 12 and 13. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now there are promises in Scripture that you want to go back to again and again. Never will I leave you nor forsake you, right? God makes this promise that he will work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. These are the kinds of things that you can find printed on something at Hobby Lobby, but you don't find 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12 and 13 printed, though this also is a promise of God. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and impostors go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Earlier we learned that Paul is suffering because he's a minister of the gospel. Now he kind of broadens this and says basically anybody who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, if you want to live according to what this book says, you will endure persecution. In your bulletin, there is a sermon notes page if it helps you to follow along there. You'll note that as we go through this, I'm going to break uh, in every once in a while for some points of application. I'm going to do that right now. A point of application, I think, for us in this. Each of the points of application today will begin with God thank you for and then God help us. That's a great way to pray generally. God thank you and God help us. Right? First one is this. God, thank you for godly examples. That's what God had given to Timothy. He gave Timothy a godly example. How, how's Timothy supposed to know what faith and love and patience and steadfastness look like? Well, he can remember Paul. Right? None of us got to follow Paul around. That would have been very fascinating, wouldn't it? And very, very scary most of the time to follow Paul around. But Timothy did. Yet God has given many of us, most of us, I think probably almost all of us, some godly examples in our life. Maybe not everybody, and maybe they weren't godly in every single way, but, but people that God has put in our life that we need to just, every once in a while, pause and thank God for. Thanking God for the faithful teaching of faithful dads and old pastors and Sunday school teachers. Thanking God for the people that had a clear gospel-centered purpose in life. Thanking God for grandma's faith. For parents who showed you what patience looked like because you were that kid in the family. For a spouse who has shown you love when you didn't deserve it. For elders in the church who have remained faithful and steadfast over time. We need to thank God for giving us godly examples, and we need to ask for God's help to live godly lives, right? As we seek to live godly lives, knowing that we live in a day when things are getting worse, trusting the promise that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, we need help. It's easier to be quiet when false things are being taught, so God help us. It's easier to be patient with, with it's, it, no, it's not easier. It's harder to be patient with people who aren't making any sense. Like, we just don't get it. They're wrong, and they should get it. 
Now, God, help us. It's easier to show love to people that love us, but loving our enemies, well, that's pretty hard. God, help us. Church, we do live in a world that does seem to be getting more and more morally corrupt. Things are getting worse. And what that requires of us is that more of us would live radically different, godly lives in Christ Jesus, even if there's a cost to be paid for it. So God, help us with that. Let's continue on in the passage. The second point, which can be really kind of broken down into two, is this. Continue believing and using the God-breathed Scriptures. Continue believing and using the God-breathed Scriptures. The first couple of verses talk about believing these God-breathed Scriptures. Verses 14 and 15. Let's look at what they say. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy's got one of those awesome, boring testimonies, potentially. Right? That he doesn't have this testimony like Paul has of persecuting the church and having people murdered. He grew up in a family with an unbelieving dad, but with a mom and a grandma who believed and from a young age taught Timothy the Scriptures. So from a young age, he's had this foundation laid for him, making him wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so Paul's command, the only command actually we see in this whole passage, we see here in verse 14, his command is this, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Continue in that, Timothy. Keep the faith. So God's message from Paul for, for Timothy, through Paul, was continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. And so, point of application for us, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Again, with this application point, let's pause and thank God first. Many of us were gathered here together to worship and to grow because we have been saved. That's all by God's grace. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. We have been saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If that's not where you sit today, let's talk. There's nothing more important than for you to put your faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior and be saved. And then we need to ask for God's help. If we hear this command, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, we need to say, I need some help with that. I need to help to continue. Because there's all sorts of things that could come and cause this to get stopped. Right? This growth that, that we want to see happen. In the parable of the soils, which when we were down south a couple of weeks ago, uh, the pastor there referred to the parable of the souls. They can't say down south, soil. 
uh, they say soul. And so he kept saying that there's a soul, this type of soul and this type of soul. Uh, and then he eventually goes, I can't, say, I can't say that word, so I'm just going to say dirt. Uh, so, so he starts preaching uh, and, and talking about dirt instead of soil. But in the parable of the soils, in Matthew chapter 13, we see the, the seed, the word of God, falling on different types of soil, and there's different results. Sometimes the enemy comes and snatches it away. Sometimes when the roots aren't deep, as soon as any persecution or trouble arises, the, the plant stops growing. The person falls away. Sometimes it's planted on thorny ground and it grows for a time, but then the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke it out and there's no fruit that gives evidence of any true salvation. Well, one kind of soil is good. The Word gets planted and it grows and bears much fruit. That's what Paul is calling Timothy to here. Trusting that Timothy is this good soil. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. And so a message maybe even particularly to young people. So like if you're a kid, hear this, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. I talked to, I wanted to have an example from our church, somebody you knew. So I talked to Elise Osman, who's a part of our church family. She graduated from high school a year ago. She went off to college. Here's what happens. A lot of people go off to college. They go off to college and they like, I'm leaving for college, and I'm also leaving the church and leaving the faith that I have learned growing up, right? Elise has seen this even going to a Christian college, right? She sees people like, there's all sorts of things the world has to offer. I'm going there. Uh, Thankfully, I wanted to talk to Elise, and so I did talk to her, but she couldn't be here today to talk to you, so I've got a couple of quotes from her. Here's one thing that many of you who knew Elise, uh, one of the things that she loved doing and was really good at doing was playing softball. Okay? You watched her on the softball field, perhaps. You watched her pitch. You watched her hit. That one, that, she's good. right? So everybody expected that she would continue to play softball in college, and that was her plan until an injury came that required a surgery that ended her softball career. So Elise is not able to continue to play softball at that level. And that matters, but that doesn't matter nearly as much as the fact that, that Elise has made a commitment that she will continue in what she has learned and firmly believed, right? That's so much more important. Here's what Elise said after a tough year where that injury led to a surgery that ended her softball career where she lost her grandfather who she loved deeply. It was a tough year and she told me this, I've continued to trust and obey Jesus over the last year. By trusting in Jesus, I know that I'm never alone. I am fully loved and I am his I know that my life with Jesus is so much better than my life would be without him. He's my protector, comforter, strength, and friend. I strive for a life where everything that I do glorifies him and his marvelous works. He has completely transformed my life and outlook on life. I faced many trials in the past and would not have gotten through them without my faith in Christ. So a message, continue in the faith. That's what you want to continue in. Whatever else you might be passionate about, maybe you can't continue in it, but continue in that. Young people, hear this. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Keep trusting in Jesus. It's not always popular. It's hard, but it is good. And so I asked Elise, it's like, if you were talking to young people, like you were talking to middle school and high school students in our church, what would you say to them? So if you're one of those people, especially listen up, here's what she said. It is so worth it. A life without Jesus is full of unknowns, but a life that is surrendered to Jesus is sure. 
by trusting in Jesus, you are loved, protected, comforted, and completely his. You will face many trials in life, and there are some big trials you will face at this age. Jesus will guide you and be with you through the struggles. He will never leave your side. You will stand alone, and it's unpopular to be a Christian. It's not easy to stand alone, but God will grant you the strength to stand up for what is right. He will bring people into your life that will stand by your side. If people question you or your faith, show them the love and kindness that Christ showed. It's not easy to love those who hurt you, but Jesus would do that. Know that caring for others is the right thing to do. Trust in him, stand alone, love others, and know that his plan is so much better than what you could even imagine. Or, as Paul said to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. And then we have the final two verses of this chapter, which are so rich and could be like another half hour, but I'm going to do it in like five minutes. Listen to verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. All Scripture, right? All all of it, not just like we can't cut out the parts or, or ignore the parts that we disagree with or we don't understand or don't like. Even the parts that make us uncomfortable, all of it breathed out by God. Do you know that right here when Paul says breathed out by God, God breathed, that we have a hard time knowing how to translate it because that word in Greek, which is what Paul wrote this in, doesn't exist anywhere else in the Bible or anywhere else that anybody can even find in Greek literature. Paul made up a word to try to communicate this reality that the scriptures are the very word of God. And so God breathed or breathed out by God is as close as he could come to describing how confident we can be that what we have as scripture is the very word of God. All scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable or maybe your translation says it's useful There is benefit to us as we use it. There's profit by using it. Using it for what? What does it do? Well, he says for teaching. What we need to teach and what we as a church are committed to teaching, if we believe we want to be people that are molded by the Word of God, what we need to teach in Awana, in youth group, in Sunday school, in Bible studies, in sermons, we want to teach the Word of God. Like we're not, we're not having people gather for the purpose of entertainment or sharing of opinions. We're gathering people together to hear the teaching of the Word of God, right? Teaching, and then these words reproof and correction. You ever heard teaching from the Word of God or been reading the Word of God on your own and felt all of a sudden very convicted and guilty. That's not accidental. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the intended purposes of the Word of God, that it would remind us that we're not living the way that God intends for us to live. We're not thinking the way that God intends for us to think. 
we're told that we're going in the wrong direction sometimes, that we're believing lies sometimes. Not just lies from out there in the world, but lies that we bounce around in our own minds, and we need to come back over and over again and be corrected by Scripture to reorient our lives around what this says is true, what this says is good, not what the world around us says is good, not what our minds are telling us is true, but what God's Word says is true. So it is useful or profitable for reproof and for correction and then for training in righteousness. Earlier we found out that we can learn to live a godly life in part by having godly examples. Like Timothy had Paul. Like you've had all sorts of people in your life. But what we need, first and foremost, is not only godly examples, but we need the very Word of God that helps train us in righteousness. That lets us know how we are to live. What's the aim? Well, the aim is that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Complete or made whole or fitted or ready to do all of the work that God calls us to do. Again, we could have spent so much more time on those two verses. Extremely important, which, you know, I think this is probably the passage. I mentioned the first time I preached uh, as your pastor was this passage. And I think in other series, it's just happened to come up like a couple other times. I've probably preached this passage more than any other one. Uh, and so I want to get to application of it, though, and close with this. Again, let's start with thanking God. And I think it would be totally fitting for us to say, thank you, God, for your word. Right? Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you that it's not like up to me to, to, to try to figure out God on my own. To try to figure out from looking at what he's created. God has given us a good gift in what he's created. We call it general revelation. We can see something of the eternal power and divine nature of God by what has been made. Yet, God also gives us his word that we might know his character in a more complete sense. And so thank God for His Word that we can know Him. Thank God for His Word that helps us to know how we are to look at ourselves, how we are to look at the world, how we are to hear what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It's laid out for us in the Word of God. So thank you, God, for your Word. In there, we, like, we, we see lots of problems all around us, and we look for all sorts of solutions. But many of the places we look to for solutions, they don't even really know what the root of the problem is, so they're not getting the solution right. And so you can't turn to like, you know, uh, Tucker Carlson or Anderson Cooper or Sean Hannity or whoever talks all the time that you listen to all the time. They don't have it all figured out. God's Word does. And so if we want to know what the problems are and what the solution is, we turn to the Word of God. If we want to know how the world works and we want to know how we're to look at the world around us, we must open and look at and study and believe and understand and obey the Word of God. If something, so we say thank you for the Word of God. We delight in your Word. If you just need to be helped in thanking God for His Word, just turn to Psalm 119. It'll take you a bit. But just walk through Psalm 119, and there's all sorts of ways the psalmist reminds us to delight in, that our delight is in the Word of God. 
But then there's the help me part of this application, and that's what we'll close with, the help me part. The help me part is if we are supposed to use the Bible to teach and transform and train, we need to use it. Because it says here that it's profitable, or your translation might say useful. Something's only useful if you use it, right? A useful thing isn't all that useful if you don't use it. So I think this, this year for my birthday, back in June, I think I got maybe what was uh, one of my favorite presents that I've ever gotten. Uh, <laughs> you're like, that? that's kind of lame. It was a, just a small electric pressure washer. Oh, that thing. You, 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 can, you can find stuff that's dirty, and there's like lines of dirt, and you can, you can spray the pressure washer at it, and it cleans it. And there's like evidence that this was dirty, and now it's clean. Come to my drive, drive by my driveway on your way home, and there's a little section that I started, and there's this clear, I love my pressure washer, right? And it's useful when I choose to use it. It's very useful. Scripture also is very useful, but it's not useful when it just kind of sits there. Like, like you, you take it home and you put it somewhere and then you pick it up again next week when you come to the worship service. That's not all that useful. It's not accomplishing all that much. If we want Scripture to, to profit us, to benefit us, we need to use it to be taught by it, to soak up Bible teaching, to hunger for that, to teach it myself and to start teaching it in my own home. If we want it to be useful, we need to pick it up, that it might be used, and we need to ask God, would you transform me by this? Would you shape me? Would you shape the way I think about you and me and the world and everybody else according to your word? Otherwise, I know myself too well. I'm going to see people through my own tainted lenses. I want to see people through the lens of your word. God, transform me. Reprove me. Tell me where I'm wrong and correct me. And train me in righteousness according to your word. This is what we need if we want to become a people, a church, that is increasingly molded by the word of God. God has given us so much for which to be thankful. And we're still so needy. And so, to close the sermon, I think it's fitting that we pray and then that we sing. So let's pray. God, we are prone to wander. Lord, we feel that. We know that there is an enemy prowling around your word says like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour we know that we live in a world that's bad and getting worse but it's also really alluring it's attractive to us more attractive than we would like it to be and we know it's easier for us to blend in with the world and our sinful hearts make it hard for us to be different we know that if we really do live godly lives in Christ Jesus, we might be persecuted and we're scared, so we shrink back. God, we confess it's easier for us to believe the lies we hear from others or the lies that are on repeat in our own minds, and it's harder for us to continue to believe the Bible. We know we need to continue to believe it, to use it, to teach it, to transform with it, that you might transform us with it. 
And we might be trained in righteousness by it. We know what we need, Lord. We are sinners in need of a Savior. We know that because you say that in your word. We know that we are vulnerable sheep in need of a shepherd. We know that we are orphans in need of a father. We know that we are spiritually dead and we are in need of new life in Christ. We are, many of us, redeemed. But we still suffer and struggle with doubt. We too easily give in to sin. And so we are in need of the ongoing work of your Spirit. And so God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we need you every hour. And so would you hear our prayer as we sing that together now. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with us.